Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Open Case Podcast. Um, this week we have Andrew Davey on the show, uh, Irish League and FIFA referee. Um, this one really, really interested me and I've wanted to probably do it for a long time. Um, Andrew's been very kind and came on um, today for us. We're going to run it live. Um, just basically I've been really interested in, obviously I've been in the game a long, long time. I know what players... Um, and how they deal with things, um, roughly how managers deal with things. I get to see it all the time. Um, but one thing that we don't, um, as fans and as players and, and staff, we don't get to see how referees really deal with um, mistakes and stuff on the pitch. Um, you know, how they deal with, with different things. Um, their thoughts on things we don't really hear a lot from them in the media. Um so it's a really, really interesting conversation I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask Andrew Davey um, about all these things. Um, hopefully he gives us the, the answers in detail, which we which we would really like. Um, and it's one I'm, I'm very much looking forward to. Um, and hope you enjoy it. So we'll have Andrew Davey live with us at Mary Peters Trek. Um, how's it been going, Andrew? How have you been getting on during lockdown? And um, what have you been doing with yourself in, in terms of keeping fit and keeping active with, with the family? Yeah, no, um, thanks for having me. Um, it's been, <laughs> I'm not going to say it, but it's actually been very, very good. I really, really, not say enjoyed lockdown, but it has been very good. And I suppose a bit like yourself with football, whenever you're involved in football, week in, week out, you probably don't give family, um, kids, wife enough attention at times. And this, with being um, at home all the time, has actually given me the chance to do all the things that we wanted to and, and actually spend a lot more time at home. Um, so I've actually really, really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. um, spending time at the home, yeah. We have been given some things to do for fitness and, and to get ourselves going. Like I said earlier, that gives me my hours break away from the kids and, and, and the family. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been getting out most days, doing a wee bit here and there, um, taking up golf again. So, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I, I've loved it. What are you playing off, handicap? Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that later. Like I said, <laughs> I've just taken it up again. Um, I'm just trying to keep the one ball for three holes, never mind uh, the handicaps. <laughs> Yeah, that's been it. It's just been I'm I'm sort of on the same boat as you, spending a lot more time, you know, with the family, with the children. Um, something as simple as even like, because we would be training probably Monday, Tuesday, Thursday nights as players. You know, something as simple as you know being able to put the children to bed or having dinner around the table at evenings whenever normally you would be out. Maybe you know three or four Think evenings of the week. The massive thing for me is actually we've had near enough breakfast, lunch and dinner together as a family for 14 weeks, 13 weeks, yeah. whatever it is we're in. Um, I know... Little things you take for granted though, it's, isn't it? It's, like? it's massive. And the fact we actually... I know we referees get the, 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 the... Sorry, shall we say, that the badness of we turn up on a salary, take our pay and off we go. But we train, have to train two nights a week as well or train twice. We have meetings to go to during the week. So I'm out of the house, especially with a job in the IFA, a lot so without with doing that and then your games all day Saturday taken this time has just been superb to sit like you say around the table and have dinner and, and, and have chat and banter with your actual family who you should probably do it with more yeah 100% um, 
just just before we sort of go on and, and speak about sort of your day to day role in the IFA mm-hmm. and, and referee, I just want you to take me back and tell me sort of about you know growing up um, school wise. You know, um, how did you get on sort of in school? What was growing up for you like? Um, and sort of your first memories of of growing up um, liking football. Yeah. Um, yeah, I grew up. We grew up actually in, in Belfast, in sort of Glen Gormley direction, uh, until I was eleven. Um, I went to Ballydoff Primary School. I loved it. Um, we played football in the street all day. Um, that's what it was. It was all about getting outside and, and playing football. Um, as far as I can remember back, it's just been about football. Um, not that it was a great player, but it was always out outside. Not like the kids these days, but it was outside, actually, yeah, <laughs> dancing all over the place. Never mind actually playing football. Um, but yeah, getting out and playing football. Um, we moved to Bangor when I was uh, eleven then, uh-huh. um, and again football continued. I went to high school in Bangor, so there was a lot of grammar schools in Bangor where it's rugby or it's hockey. But I continued with football. Um, stuck with the football, played. Um, for under 16s, under 18s and stuff like that in Bangor. But uh, football has always been a massive part um, of my life. Um, just not the playing at the great degree, but it's always yeah. been a massive part. Watching earliest memories is probably Italian 90, Scalacci. Yeah. Um, I remember getting a Scalacci top um, with the writing and all on the back of it. Um, but yeah, football was massive. Definitely. Um, and in terms of, of, of obviously progressing and stuff... Did it become clear that, obviously, as a player, you were thinking that you might not sort of make the steps up in the grades that you wanted to? When was the first thought of sort of refereeing? When did it? it when never, did that crazy thought come into your head? It never <laughs> crossed my mind until somebody said they were putting a referees course on. Um, back in 2007, I'm refereeing 14 years now, 2006, 2007. Um, I never. I listen. I always once I got the age of maybe sixteen, eighteen. If even that before that, I knew I was never going to be a footballer. Yeah. Shall we say it was never on the cards. Um, but I just enjoyed playing, and we played amateur league. We played down area league, and it was just a group of friends playing football. Didn't matter if you won, you lost, whatever. You played your football match, and enjoyed it. That's what it was about. Yeah. Um, I never thought about refereeing, and whenever I did take it up, the amount of people that asked, you're refereeing, I was yeah. always the one that probably gave the referee most abuse <laughs> and most grief during the game, and was probably taken off more times before I was sent off, just because um, I just like to tackle, and I like to, <laughs> to kick people, yeah. which is probably why I got on all right in the down area league and the, and the damage league. Well, for someone like me, um, as I said before, I said in the intro and stuff like that just before we came on air was this is something that I have, have been thinking about for a while is getting you know yourself on or, or, or somebody else you know sort of that knows how refereeing or assistant referee or, or fourth official of the game sort of what they go through so I'm really really intrigued um, to find out some of the things you know obviously that goes on yep. um, during the games, as I said in, in, in the intro. There's n- you never really hear much, but you're probably the guys who are under the most scrutiny. Um, you know, you have both sets of players, both sets of supporters. You know, two managers, the rest of the staff needs club. But basically, your decisions on a Saturday or a Tuesday or midweek evening, you know, can basically fall on three points. So, can you remember what? 
what can you explain to me who pushed you in the direction to get involved with refereeing or was it a decision that you sort of came to I was with yourself yeah I was I was playing happily enough playing in the, in the amateur league and uh, a friend of mine was putting on a, a beginner's course in Bangor and the night it happened the night it was actually on mm-hmm. he I phoned him and said listen is there any chance of getting on that course it's just another string to your bow it was just something to have in case I wasn't playing and I was able to referee so I actually just is there any chance of getting on it from then I went and refereed youth in the morning so I'd done the kids games in the morning and still went and played in the afternoon what league was that? that was in the South Belfast League and it was the North Down the North Down Youth League as well at the time under 18s Mm -hmm. so I went and refereed those and was playing in the afternoon and after that was probably October, November time come January I then thought to myself I'm not really enjoying this anymore I'm not really enjoying the playing but yeah. actually the referees okay so I thought why not give it a go why not say what I'm going to do and the, 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 let's just go and referee and I went from there so I wasn't really pushed in it was probably more the the strangest in me that I started refereeing and actually quite enjoyed doing yeah. it which kept me in it 100% can you remember your first game first adult game was Groomsport thirds uh, and somebody in the down area league I can't remember um, but I remember being sent to Groomsport Thurs because they were deemed to be a, a, a reasonably well-behaved team. Yeah. And I remember, I can't remember his name, God, um, but I remember the, the manager of Groomsport coming over and introducing himself before the game. And ever since then, um, he, he actually almost took me under his wing to say, listen, we'll be all right, we'll get through yeah. this game. And we did. Um, yes, it was very, very daunting because it's all right running around the field having 12-year-olds shout at you. Yeah. But whenever you turn up and there's 22 men <laughs> screaming and shouting different. at you, it's slightly different. Um, but no Grimsport thirds. Um, and from then, I only went into refereeing then. Actually, at the end of that season in the Down Area League, I was for going back to play. Mm-hmm. I had decided that I didn't want it. Not that I didn't want to. I missed playing a wee bit. I actually yeah. missed a wee bit of the the social side and I think that's probably what I'm missing more during lockdown is the social aspect of football mm-hmm. meeting friends meeting other people and getting out that way so I missed that side of playing yeah. and was wanting to get back to that I then spoke to the convener in the league Jimmy Fagan who's still there still doing a brilliant job in the down area league um, with the referees um, and he said that he had good reports and, and I was doing okay uh, and then I also spoke to an old work colleague of mine who refereed in the Premier League, who was Hugh Carville. Yeah, um, yes. And I spoke to him and he said about the opportunities that were in refereeing and about how it was going. I thought you turned up on a Saturday, you'd done your game, that was you. Yeah. And they pointed me in directions that there maybe is more to this game than just turning up on a Saturday. Yeah. And then I stuck in it from there. And then, just tell me about sort of like, is it similar to like a player starting off, say, at an, an, an academy or whatever and, and rising up through... What would I know about that? And rising <laughs> up through, through the levels and stuff. I mean, when you've passed your course, what's then... First of all, did you did you see yourself then refereeing in the Irish League or was it just sort of an interesting of like, I'll, I'll, I'll just see where I get... You it's know, probably... Then what's them level, what levels then do you have to go up to eventually... It's probably know, a bad in the Irish League. thing for me to say is that I had no interest in the Irish League mm-hmm. until I started refereeing. 
Yeah. Um, yes, I went to a few, maybe big two games or, or a cup final maybe every now and then just as a supporter, like a neutral. But yeah. I had absolutely no interest in the Irish League before I refereed. Um, I never thought of refereeing the Irish League. Whenever I started, it, it didn't even, like, not even appeal to me probably is the thing, the referee in the Irish League. That was just way beyond anything that I had ever considered. Yeah. Um, you start out, there's, there's two different members here. You can, you can just do junior. We have a lot of referees who just do youth games yeah, and we need them we need referees that are just willing to go out and do youth games um, keep the kids involved in the game and, and do those and are they are they happy enough for them they don't want to really go any further just youth maybe yeah, suits their lifestyle and that's, that's a lot of them want. are maybe Irish League fans yeah. who actually go to an Irish League game on a Saturday afternoon mm-hmm. um, I know that there is a lot of obviously fans that will go and do their games maybe one or two on a Saturday morning for the kids yeah. and then either coach another team in another league in the mm-hmm. afternoon or maybe go on and, and watch an Irish league game so yeah. they're happy um, and we're not there to say no you can't do that in, in the IFA and, and then refereeing if that gets a game refereed it gets a game refereed yeah. it's better having a referee there than, than no referee so if they're willing to do that and keep on doing that then we're happy uh-huh. um, in the adult football there's sort of the tiers are, are junior um, which is where you would start out which is the likes down area league yeah. um, where you'll go in and you'll start refereeing what we call men's football uh, open age football mm-hmm. um, you do your time in that once you pass your referees course yeah. that's you in the big bad world of refereeing There's, you, you don't have to really do anything else apart from pass that the nest of it is all really on the job learning it's all more word of mouth going to meetings um, people will come out and assess you see how you're doing um, if you do well at junior, your your marks are good, your reputation's been good within the clubs, within the league, then you'll be looked at to go into intermediate football. Mm-hmm. Intermediate football then covers the likes of the top of the amateur league, um, and the leagues around Northern Ireland, the intermediate leagues. The referees will go into that, and then you have the chance again of looking forward to go to championship, PIL, and then obviously to the Premier League. Happy days. Can you remember your first Irish league game? Um, yes, very much so. Um, it was didn't send anyone off, did you? No, I didn't. I didn't. I don't send many people off in most games. Um, I you get a trial basis, so it's probably like you say when you talk about a youth player coming through, mm-hmm. they'll get games on trial. So it worked out very, very well for me. We went. It was the days where we, as referees, used to go away for a training camp. We actually went to Portugal for a week on a training camp and I was a development referee sort of in the championship for three years um, doing okay and was now being looked at to go into the Premier League yeah. so we went away to Portugal I obviously done okay in, in Portugal because about two weeks after coming back I got a game and it was Lisbon Distillery and Dungan and Swiss I think it was definitely Lisbon Distillery at um Ballyskay. Yeah. And I remember getting that game. It was by email and I'm thinking to myself, I think they've made a mistake here. I don't think I'm meant to be going to, yeah. to do that. But I went up there. Um, Alan Snoddy was the assessor. Um, we went up and um, things went very, very well. Um, the game, listen, I wasn't the finished article. It was different. Were you nervous? Yeah. yeah. I probably was. It was probably one of the times that I was nervous before a game. Um, people here, I don't think, realise the difference between RPIL and Championship and even the Championship to the Premier League. If yeah. I'm refereeing in Championship, 
I thought this would just be a, a walk in the park. You step up and it's just the same type of football. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what you do. You just go into another game, but it's a lot quicker. The yeah. Premier League is so much more get the ball down, play, um, and a lot, lot quicker. And the play develops a lot quicker. So I think that was probably one of the things I wasn't expecting. And then when it started, I realised yeah. <laughs> it was a lot quicker. Um, but no, that game went well. Um, and then I remember actually my next game was at Windsor. Um, Linfield against Carrick um, which again I thought was a massive surprise um, obviously different ends of the table but mm-hmm. it was a, a big game and it's thankfully went on from there the rest is history yeah <laughs> now, what, what I wanted to speak to you now and this is, this is actually probably an interesting one for me um, you know going back to sort of the, the great sides um, not only in the Irish League but probably in the Premier League as well I think back to um, especially like Mourinho size where you know you obviously have Mourinho with staff um, big characters on the pitch you know like John Terry Carvalho Lampard Good Johnson Drogba you know all them massive massive characters and I remember um, something that um, was said about one of Mourinho's teams that all the big characters would surround the referee in sort of no matter how small or big the decision does that have an impact and how sort of like not scary but how daunting is it when you have sort of like big characters managers fans putting pressure on yourself um, and probably you know obviously your colleagues in terms of when you're making a, a decision I think a good thing from my point of view was that I didn't like I said I never followed Irish League mm-hmm. so whenever I was doing games I wouldn't know who was a, a well-known player or who wasn't whenever I started. Yes, when you start refereeing, you get to know people and you get to know whom. I got to know people more for who they were, as in yeah. with me and dealing with me, than maybe what they'd done in the past. So once you get into it, then you do realise you have big names, big managers, and you've got more players there. Um, you can always tell a team who is maybe under a bit of pressure mm-hmm. when you're refereeing, because at times their attitude on the field can change. So if there is a team who's maybe down near the bottom or they're on a bad run or or they're fighting for survival or they're pushing for the league, but they're feeling a bit of pressure, you have the mobbing mentality that you talk about or you have yeah. the big players coming in and, and starting the surrounding and then starting this question of decisions. Yeah. Can it have an impact? Subconsciously, yes, it may do. Mm-hmm. In your head, you're not. We always get told, "Oh, you're a blue man, you're a Glen man, you're always against us, you're always against them." It doesn't. In your head, if there's a fifty-fifty goes in, and, and somebody's maybe been screaming at you for for, for ninety minutes, yeah. and he's the one that's in the fifty-fifty. Subconsciously, the other player might get the free kick. It's not something where you set out to do, mm-hmm. and I don't think anyone would ever set out to say, "Oh, we're against this, we're against that team." Sometimes in your head it may have an effect, but a lot of the times that's almost too much thinking. Yeah. Because if a tackle happens, you have to say it there and then. You don't have that time to wait. You don't have time to think about it. Oh, yes, yeah. he was giving me grief 10 minutes ago. I'm not going to give him that free kick. If yeah, a tackle goes in, you just go, oh, here, that's a free kick. That's what I'm giving. As yeah. simple as that. Um, so would, would the big players have an influence? Sometimes maybe, yeah, they'll maybe have a, an influence on... on on some decisions, I wouldn't really see it being a, a big factor in the game. Yeah, um, it's just 
So, some might call it cunning. I was always brought up um, to basically play to the whistle and I was always taught they actually, believe it or not, <laughs> is to sort of just leave the referee alone because no matter what, he's not, he's never going to change his mind. Who was? <laughs> you were? I was. Oh, right, were you? Sorry. <laughs> I know, I like him, I like him on every now and again. But, um, then you've got the flip side of it. I, I just remember that that team of Mourinho's, Chelsea's team, sticks out for me massively because I just remember them always surrounding the referee in any decision and the pressure. And I remember people talking about it. And I remember sort of like putting myself in the referee's shoes and thinking, you know, there might be a case why they do that all the time. It was, this, it was the time they were being really, really, really successful. You know, they were winning doubles leagues and, you know, there was a the whole game. Maybe it is, maybe it is cunning, maybe it is. You know, maybe sometimes we are too nice. You know what I mean? And then obviously you've got the flip side as well that... Probably foreign players are a lot better, you know, than than at this than us in terms of you know, like yourself, if you're if you're refereeing in a different country or you know in Europe, that the players will go over a lot easier. Mm. They'll they'll play act a wee bit more, and it's probably a skill in terms of maybe you thinking it's a a yellow card, you know, if you see them sort of rolling about in the ground screaming, and then you've maybe three or four of their players and their manager up in your face, that could sway in the a red, a red card very quickly. Yeah, it's something that you have to get used to as a referee is a lot of the times we will talk about your, your gut decision. It's something you see something happening. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times, nine times out of ten, you need to go with your gut. That's a yellow, that's a red. Um, I have refereed in Europe and, and different countries and they are, they do play a different style of football. And to be honest with you, it's it's not as good to referee. Um, it's harder probably to referee in there because you don't know if someone's been hit, you don't know if someone's been injured or, or what way they are by they're rolling around the ground. Yeah. Um, whereas here, is it a, a downside the R League that we're probably more physical? I don't think so. I think it's a different... Every league's different. Every league treats playing in a different way. Yes, over the last three, four, five years, we've probably got a lot more technical mm-hmm. um, with the more full-time and the more... Um, the more time spent in the league so but we don't have that like you say that feigning of injuries and that throwing people down to the ground how many times have you seen somebody dive in the Irish league you could probably count it yeah. one hand last season do you know what I mean yes they'll go down easy at times but diving is not something that we have to deal with yeah. your big thing as a referee is, is to go as your gut reaction and that's one thing we're teaching and you're going referees whether mistake or not just you just have to go with your gut yeah. you just have to go with your gut and like <laughs> Sometimes that can be wrong, and it's proved wrong for me. The League Cup final, where I got a decision wrong that should have been a red card, I give a yellow. But what we need to do at, as a referee's point of view is, why did you see it wrong? So, is it because you're in the wrong position? Is it because you haven't followed play properly? Is it because you haven't got yourself... It's not always about being close as a referee. It's about having the right angle. So yeah. if I'm standing five yards behind you, straight on, I can't see what's happening in front. Whereas if it's 20 yards to the left, I can see a clear angle into it. So I've got a better view and angle, but yeah. I'm further away from it. So that's what we do. You go with your gut decision, but a lot of the time it is, it's about how you position yourself on the field to make sure that you're giving yourself the optimal view and angle, the optimal chance of seeing any decision or any, any challenge that's actually going in. Yeah, 
I have to speak to you about the League Cup final, February 2009. That's the one where I missed the red card, is that the one? Um, we'll not talk about the red card, it was actually the video that's <laughs> eight, 8 million views or something on Twitter. Yeah, what was so. Calm the fuck down. Um, yeah. I never said that. <laughs> There's so many other things that I could have said if you look at the tweets. Um, yeah, now listen. Um, what, ha- what happened? Just run us through what happened. Can you remember sort of like... That was... A game, it was obviously Linfield Balamina. It was obviously David Jeffrey, the old manager of Linfield, was there at, at, at in charge of Balamina League Cup final, and it was live on Sky. So, yeah. when you talk about pressure and you talk about that, not many people in our country are seeing it, but Sky Sports across the UK are seeing it. So, yeah. it's a big advert for our league, and as much as players want to put on a spectacle for that, referees want to make sure that we don't go in and ruin a game so is that that conscious on your mind 100% yeah what you want to do is you want to make sure that your first decision is correct you Mm -hmm. want to make sure your first yellow card is a right yellow card because the last thing you want to do is go in there and give a yellow card early on for Mm -hmm. dissent stupid and then all of a sudden you've two yellow cards the same player within 10-15 minutes yeah. so the last thing you want is things along those lines um, so it is on your head it is in your head that these are things that you want to actually you want to per, you want to to um, make sure that that game for the league is a spectacle across the country so yeah. that was in my head um, the game was going swimmingly for 20 odd minutes 23 minutes I think it was um, yeah. and then there was a tackle by Jim Irvin on Mulgrew, wasn't it? Jamie Mulgrew. Um, there was a tackle went in. I seen it as a yellow card. Um, I didn't have a great viewing angle on it. I seen it as a yellow. None of the other team seen anything different. So we went yellow card. Um, at the time, I was happy. You put it out of your head. You give your yellow card. You give a free kick. But we had a couple of players, one from each team, who had then been getting involved a couple of times. Um, a striker, a centre forward. It was actually Adam Leckie and... Uh, Josh Robinson, yeah. who had been involved in a couple of wee skirmishes, um, a couple of wee skirmishes before that, and again they got involved after that tackle. And as if I didn't have enough with the possibility of a yellow yeah. red card and all this here, I had enough and I had turned around. I said, and I mean, how, asked how them to dif- calm down. How difficult? <laughs> how difficult is that? Or again, with you're probably on sort of the fence in terms of red card or yellow card I'm guessing that you don't really you've given yourself a wee bit of time then to think about it then if there's how difficult it is when you've got maybe five or six players running in to add to that there before you actually make your decision you have to put it out of your mind now if there's any doubt if you have any doubt in your head that it's not a red card then you can't go red yeah. because if there's any doubt then you're saying it's not a strong enough tackle with that tackle I went in I remember it happening and I didn't see Jim as high as he was and I I didn't see it, and I didn't see it as high as he was. And I've, I'll hold my hands up now and say yes, 100. percent It was. It should have. It was the first tackle after 23 minutes. Mm. Um, it was the first card after 23 minutes. So all of a sudden, I would have went on Sky. It was this in my head? Maybe on Sky on TV, going straight red card. Yeah. I'm going to myself. I'm not sure it is. So if I wasn't sure, I couldn't go. Um, obviously, and then Jim, being all nicey nice as he was, says, "Oh, I didn't do it that bad." Um, but it turned out after viewing it that yes it, it should have been a red card um, yeah. you can't do anything about that it's happened it's, it's been it's done um, I know there are obviously some things there was there was a few things in the paper after that about obviously 
Um, Jamie on the ground. I asked Jamie to get up. I didn't tell him to get up. I asked him, could he get up yeah. after treatment and stuff? I'm not one to, to, to give off that way. But I didn't see the tackle as it was. I hold my the hands only, up. The only, I, I thought it was red. Like, I'll be honest with you. I, I, my initial instinct was red because I... The only reason I say it is because I heard I heard Jim hit uh, Jimmy Shingard, and that's why I, thought, I know Jim's not that type of player at all. And I heard that when I listened to him back in Sky yeah, as well. Obviously, Jim and, and Jimmy are really good friends as well. But it was just one of them things. I did, as you say, you go with your gut feeling. If your gut feeling wasn't red card, you know, I had the wrong feeling at the time. It was completely it wrong. Was red. Not in the wrong angle. I just didn't see. I wasn't wide enough to see that the, the tackle going in. But then you have to then put that out of your head. As soon as you've done that, I clarified everybody in the team was happy with the yellow. We went yellow card and we moved on. Yeah. Um, you can't then go back and think about it. You can't then go back and think, Frick, I should have done this. I'll try and even it up. Yeah. The game continues and you go. And thankfully, it probably it didn't have an overall impact on the game. Yeah. didn't have an overall impact on the winners. It didn't have an overall spectacle. wasn't ruined in any way. So was it lucky? Probably yes. As a referee, <laughs> that, that didn't... If you look at the VAR decision the other night on the yeah. game, it's, it's ruined the game. It's, it's made the wrong chance. But thankfully, it didn't have an impact in the game. So, I was lucky. Yeah. But wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what about um, the video? Eight million, eight million views. Uh, yeah. What was your phone and like stuff? Huh? Did you know much about it afterwards? Or well, it's funny because... You were getting loads of texts, were you? Well, <laughs> it's funny. I didn't realise. So, obviously, we'd done the game. Yeah. And it was a five, half-five kickoff. And there was a few of us going into Belfast afterwards for a few drinks, referees. So they had been out, there's a group of referees had been out in Belfast for the game. So they already had a few drinks. We left the stadium, went down in Lavery's and we're sitting, having a couple of drinks. The five of us involved in the game. Yeah. Only on our first pint, second pint, everything's all right. And uh, we're, we're chatting. And then all of a sudden the door burst open and 15 referees, assistants, colleagues came bursting in obviously had a few drinks and yeah. they were a bit more rowdy so that was alright and then everyone kept on shouting to me calm the fuck down calm down yeah. <laughs> I never thought I'm of it for a wee while and then all of a sudden somebody said to me I said, what, do you, what do you mean what are you saying he goes have you not seen the video and I was like what video and he goes have you not seen the whatsapp and I went no I looked on 70 odd messages in the whatsapp I wasn't yeah. reading them and one of them got it up and I looked at it and went right this is going to be bad <laughs> um, and then yeah it's funny well no, it's not funny um, there was colleagues across the world um, I know referees in Hungary in Faroe Islands in uh, Norway all seen it sent me a screenshot of it sent it over to me so for the next few days it was it was interesting yeah, yeah. the phone kept on going now, it I should viral, say, didn't it? It, it, it went, everywhere. my kids were telling me every two seconds how many more views it had on Twitter and how many <laughs> more things it was going so yeah I should condemn you should never swear in the field of play it's not right but. <laughs> tell us a wee bit um, about the was it the Kai Dungannon game yeah Dungannon won 2-1 um, Stuart Nixon scored a goal that was disallowed and yep. you Right, was it the next day then you rang Nal Curry? Basically the game, it was 1-0 I think at the time to Dungannon. Yeah. Or maybe 2-0. Anyway, Dungannon were getting beat, or winning, sorry. Um, a ball came in and crossed over mm-hmm. to uh, the back post. The system put his flag up. There was nobody in an offside position who was affecting play. So I said play on. But Mark Patton, being Mark Patton, 
left the ball on the field of play instead of hoofing it away like every other player would have done and kicked it off the field yeah. Mark decided to stop and left the ball to a Carrick player who crossed the ball in and scored um, we talked about it um, obviously there was a surrounding of players that was wrong um, I spoke to the assistant referee we disallowed the goal we gave, an off, we gave the, the offside half time um, Niall had, a, had words I invited him in the change room we had an amicable Niall is a very approachable at times yeah. manager um, at half time in the game we had a very amicable chat we talked to each other um, I told him what I seen the assistant referee George told him what he seen and we went with George because offside's his ring so we went with George's decision um, Niall said he seen it my way and the goal should have stood mm-hmm. um, so I said listen I'll look at it and we'll come back so the game went on finished we had our debrief after the game we were then able to see it on the BBC footage and then we made realise that it was a mistake it should have been a goal I looked for Niall in the changing room that day he had already left yeah. um, so I actually spoke to one of his players and said listen can I get Niall's number so that was okay so I next day the Sunday I'm not one if it's a mistake and we've made a mistake as long as it's a two way conversation yeah. and it's not just I'm phoning to apologise and, and that's it yeah. Niall's very open to conversation and, and we chatted um, I phoned him the next day and said listen we got that wrong he said I understand where you're coming from I can see but yeah I know it's wrong we, we talked about it he sent me a message to say yes he appreciated the, the conversation but as long as it is a two way conversation then yeah. I'm, I'm happy enough speaking to any manager yeah. Um, but yeah no I think Niall obviously uh, we agreed to differ um, we agreed that we got it wrong um, and he was open to discuss it yeah, that's what I mean. I think that communication with, re- especially referees, especially the main guys in the middle of the park, I've always liked whether it's sort of like a, an, a decision I agree with, whether I don't agree with it. I think 99% of the players are the same and, and will probably back me up on this. It's whenever you get ignored by a referee, if you challenge him on something and he ignores you or he sort of palms you off I think that's the thing that, that drives most managers and most players insane you know and it, it probably makes it even more difficult whereas if you can if you get a referee who's respectful and you know if the decision is right or not and he, and he just sort of I know the game's going on there's a lot of good things going on but you know even if it's explained to you at half time because there's plenty of times that you go up and speak to the referee and he literally like just tells you to go away or puts his hand up at you you know but even in, if it's a sort of a little response or anything of respect of responding I think that that goes a long way whether you agree with the decision or, or not because we're all we're not going to agree with everything players you know? there's always going to be one team disappointed at the end of it and yeah. it can always be the referee's fault for me the biggest probably gripe that I would have with it all is there isn't too many managers or players yeah. who will pick up the phone afterwards yeah. and say Listen, you got that right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So they've went on TV and they've or they've they said the after the game a penalty's completely wrong. Absolutely wrong. That's that's completely wrong. Go back and look at it and then go. Well, actually, no, you're right. So yeah. if, if it's going, it's always be down that the referee should phone the, if you got it wrong. If you get it wrong, but it's always one thing. I'll even say when I'm playing is or refereeing is if a penalty and I give a penalty and you came up to me and said that's wrong, that's wrong. You're going to watch that and that's wrong. Yeah. I'll always turn around and say, well, when it's right. Phone me, let yeah. me know, because yeah. it doesn't go that way. 
Um, with most managers, there's probably most of the managers in the league, you're able to have a dialogue and players as well. Yeah. I understand football is a passionate, passionate game. So if I give a decision, you're not always going to agree. Yeah. You have a few seconds to have a rant. I have no problem with that because if I give a foul against you, your first reaction is to say, no, I won the ball or, or yeah. have a bit of a rant. But as long as you are then able to turn around afterwards and go, okay, I've calmed down, it might have been a free kick or, or have a conversation with me afterwards, then that's all right. Yeah. As long as it is a two-way, it has to be a two-way communication streak. And I know some referees, like you say, are maybe not open to that. But for me, I've worked hard in the 14 years that I've been refereeing yeah. to build a rapport between players and build a rapport. I want to be able to walk down the street and if I see a player, yeah. that I'm able to talk to him. If I see a supporter, like I was there this morning um, in the house and there was people doing work in the lane in the, in the house cutting stuff and he came up to me you're a referee aren't you yeah. I was like uh, yeah. depends who do you support Glenn Horton and we had a conversation I, I'm happy that is, that's what I would rather have you don't want to be shying away from things and you don't want to be running away from stuff but there has to be communication has to be two way between the referee and the players and I think some referees need to maybe open up on that as well mm-hmm. as much as some players need to open up on that yeah definitely Um most sort of most hostile ground that you have in the Irish League that you've refereed at, I think crowd-wise, sort of. I'm talking about everything here: players, uh, manager, backroom staff, supporters. Is there a certain ground that you think, I if even, you sort of hinge on a halfway decision, do they have the power to to, sw- to swing that? I think there's not maybe hostile grounds. I think obviously the crowds differ at certain grounds depending on who the teams are. I think the problem being with there's always hostile at, at the bigger clubs, the likes of Linfield at, at, at a national stadium where you're probably lost. You lose to the crowd a wee bit more in that stadium, so they don't really get it from that. Yeah, I always like grounds like Dungannon, um, crowds like Glenavon, where tight. the ground is tighter. So even yeah. if you get the likes of Linfield, Glen Torn coming down to Dungannon. Yeah. The game, you may say, isn't the biggest or because Don Gannon are playing Glen Torn and, and the way they would be seen. But the crowd, you're hearing more, you're getting more jib from the crowd. The managers yeah. are right beside you. Glen Avans as well at Mournview, they're right there on the crowd. Yeah. So you can hear everything that every fan's saying. You can hear mm-hmm. everything that the managers are saying as a referee. And and that probably puts a wee bit more... I'd rather that than to yeah. go to a ground and you see the games at the moment that are happening with no fans. Like that's difficult, and it? it's not the same. You're not the same. Whereas if you're all in tight, so it's not maybe hostile, but they're a lot better refereeing whenever there's a bit more atmosphere and a smaller compact ground yeah. instead of having a big open one with all the all the the, 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 the fans are so far away from the pitch. Yeah, it's so always the likes of sorry when you're going off. The likes of Dungannon is normally quite good, or Crusaders or Glen Torn where you have to walk and Linfield as well where you have to walk right beside the fans at half time at full time because they always let you know that you've got something wrong or you've got or you might have missed a penalty or um, they're always fun places to walk off <laughs> have you any funny stories with any fans or anything that have that have shouted at you uh, <laughs> I remember I remember going to the referee um, Tobermore and Murray and being from Bangor, Tobermore and Newry are not very close to each other. Yeah. Um, I'm not very close to Bangor either, but I went down and I refereed the game, and there's one Newry fan who is probably quite well known for always standing and giving jip. 
And halfway through the game, he turns <laughs> yeah. around and he goes, Ref, you're nothing but a homer. And you turn around and you're going, Hold on, sorry, what? Yeah, yeah, I was didn't know where I was from or what, but yeah, you always get it, they always get the few odd comments that you maybe can't repeat. Yeah, 100%. See the, see the actual, more sort of on a, on, a, on a serious note, some of the abuse that you know, obviously yourselves and your and your colleagues do take is, you know, I've heard it myself, whether it be, you know, out of the match day squad sitting in the stand or, you know, some of the abuse is shockingly bad. Um, do you do you ever sort of take that abuse home with you? Um, you know, especially, you know, if you haven't had a great day at the office and you're under scrutiny and, you know, that carries on over the weekend and maybe the BBC or whatever do a show about it on the Monday and you've took some abuse. Do you ever take that home with you to the missus and, and how hard is it to sort of let go of that there? 100%. I think the big misconception in our league is that the referees don't care. Um, that we don't, we just turn up on a referee and we're not accountable and we're not this because it does affect us as referees, us as people, us as in our everyday lives. Mm-hmm. afterwards because we do do a job and we, we try to do it to the best of our ability but at times you may get things wrong and players will make a bad pass and there's nothing made of it but we get a decision wrong and all of a sudden it's everywhere yeah. so do we get abuse we do do we bring some of it on ourselves sometimes maybe by decisions but we have to, to, to realise that we watch we wait for the highlights coming up as much as players and managers and stuff to see if we've got things right as much as everyone else does um, because our reputation's on the line um, I myself you know that I think from being up growing up watching football and being around football you're always going to get an idiot in a crowd who's going to say something yeah. and, and shout but you have to understand that it's one idiot in a crowd of 10, 15,000 whatever it is so you're not going to really worry about it it's a problem when it's outside of football I'm big and I'm ugly enough to take it on the chin on a Saturday and say listen it's just one idiot but it's whenever uh, uh, it affects the family is probably the worst. Um, yeah. Now it is, you still, the odd time, not very often, you will get someone shouting at you or screaming at you when you're walking down the road or with your kids. I think the big thing for me as well is one of the last games I went to watch, um, not say where it was, but we went to watch a game. There was a contentious decision. I had two children with me. Um, we're football fans as much as everybody else is. We like yeah. to watch a game of football referees. So sometimes if there's nothing else, we're not doing a game on a Saturday, I would go and watch games. Um, I went to watch this game. There was controversy near the end and a penalty decision to which I then ended up getting abuse um, for not giving a penalty when I was in the crowd watching. So it's all right for me taking it, but when your two kids are sitting beside you, it's yeah. it's not as, as nice then. So is it wrong? It's not no problem with isn't it all the cricket and all that there with the sledging and they, they talk about all the things during the game I know players will say things during the game managers will say things and it's passion shall we say and things can be said in the crowd but sometimes yes it does go that wee bit too far and sometimes it can be hard I think every referee's went home yeah. after a game decided you know something the problem being for us is we wake up you know how well you've done on a Saturday because if you wake up on a Sunday morning and nobody sent you a text message, then you're not on the back page of the Sunday life. Yeah. Whereas if you get up on the Sunday morning and your phone's on fire, you realise <laughs> that the Sunday life or another Sunday paper has decided to put 
a decision you've done or something has happened on the game yeah in the paper and yeah. then you realise it hasn't been too good a Saturday 100% and in terms of in terms of that there obviously you've got social media and platforms now where where basically people can you know they, they send abuse out at will sometimes you know it's, yeah. it's unbelievable not only you know just in in regarding yourself or, or myself in terms of a player and referee just generally in society you know it's it, it's unbelievable some of the things that goes on but it's the moment in football that I think anyway that it gets personal I mean as you say you have slagging and, and different shouts and different shouts and that which you can take it's just when it gets personal then it becomes a problem you know then it's on the on sort of the verge of, of bullying and harassment and you know and, and even if it is on social media, it's it's still wrong. Yeah, you, know, you don't have to be standing beside somebody or, or saying something to someone's face. You know that, that it's probably actually almost worse. I, I, I my wife has never been to watch me referee, and I don't think I would ever let her go and watch me referee yeah. because everything's geared towards the referee being wrong and shouting. And the kids have went to some games to watch me referee, and it's hard for them to sit. And they're in an age where somebody's saying something about their dad, they'll turn around and look. Yeah. And it's probably going to draw more attention to them. Yeah. So, yeah, 100%. It does get... And I think it has got... We, as referees in the Irish League, we're deemed to be the worst group of referees that there is of all time in the Irish League. But what I think people don't understand is the media coverage that is now on our league as a whole um, is massive. So, like you say, there's the BBC programme, half hour and hour of highlights. Yeah. So, there's highlights of every game now. Most games now will have more than one camera, which is what we used to have. We have games on Sky, we have games on um, BBC, where we're having multiple cameras. So, we our, our league is, is a lot more um, open to scrutiny. Um, yeah. across the board players managers um, all of the VO cameras that they are now and everything is now under scrutiny yeah. so we as referees are under a lot more scrutiny than any of our predecessors have ever been mm-hmm. um, so yeah it's it's difficult um, the abuse is sometimes maybe justified and if we get something blatantly wrong but it's sometimes like you say when it's personal the bag goes under the stairs and you think that's me I'm finished yeah and what, what about VAR or VAR or you know can you first of all what's your thoughts on it and secondly can you ever see it in the Irish League um, thoughts on it would be if used right it's it's good um, if you maybe the Premier League don't do it in the right sort of way and do it in the right manner at times um, because if um, you see if you see that, uh, if you see the Premier League doing it, it's maybe slightly different. Um, they do things different because they're the Premier League and they can do it. But watching the Bundesliga, actually, since it's come back, they yeah. use it a lot better in my eyes. It's clear decisions. Whenever there's so much money riding on football, I think any help that we can get as a referee is probably right. But it has to be for the key decisions. A penalty call, a red card or a goal. Is probably the only things that you can do. Um, in terms of it coming to the Irish League, um, I think the minimum is something like six to eight cameras. Yeah. So it would be a while, I think, before. But like what about goal line technology? You see, it worked well during the week. <laughs> um, um, goal line technology is something again, but I think in the Irish League, I think it's, I think it's realistic. Maybe not now, but maybe in a 
say four, five, six years down the line. And I, I think it'd be a massive help for, for, for I you didn't realise that it actually works off cameras as well. I think from what from reading Hawkeye and what they were talking about, yeah, it actually works off cameras. So it's like everything though. It's like everything that we talk about in football, and it's it's the money. money. Money talks, and if they don't have the money to put it in, it would be a great help, and it's an easy one. You just look at the watch to see there has yeah. been a few controversial goal, no goals here. So hard to tell. Yeah, um, ridiculous. There was one at Glens Horn, and I can't remember, Glens Horn and somebody, where the goalkeeper was completely blocking the view of the assistant referee, so it's his real job to see, and the referee was maybe better positioned to see it. He wasn't sure. So that would be a massive help. If anything, we can get... I think we just need to be careful that we don't go too far with it because refereeing... Uh, sorry, for football, the laws of the game are very open. Um, yeah. It's the opinion of the referee. And if you start going too technology-based, then you're taking away the opinion of the referee. Uh, I think you're also taking away like the passion as well like sometimes you know in England and stuff whenever they score a goal they have to wait to celebrate and you know it's the problem being is uh, it's, it's difficult yeah. like you know it's difficult watching it because you, as you say you don't want to cross the line you don't want to take the excitement you know the excitement I know yes you want to get the right decision and stuff like that but sometimes you know the talk is the actual wrong decision is more the big talk more exciting and more entertaining assistant referees might be gone with soon because of technology and using them for offsides um, yeah. So, like, I think you're you're going too far. Um, whenever there's so much money riding on the game, that's why obviously they want to make sure everyone's there. But if you start doing that, you then lose match of the day, you then lose goals on Sunday, you then lose in newspapers because mm-hmm. if everything's all done on technology, then it's 100 percent right. So you're you're losing the opinion. You're losing talking points. Yeah. Um, I don't know rugby, but I, obviously from what I gather is rugby is a lot more straight down the line when it comes to their rules and their laws so yeah. that's why it's, it works well with them but for us it's maybe too opinionated um, things are too uh, um, open in the laws of the game to bring in too much technology yeah absolutely just just finishing off and on we're sort of running out of time um, in terms of either a good performance bad performance during the week sort of your day to day life um, with your role in the IFA and, and the referees um, can you talk to us a, a wee bit about that in terms of as well your sort of debriefs on performance and you know stuff like that if you've, yeah. if you've made an error maybe on a Saturday how do you um, look at that how do you find way to improve you know improve your performance just you know like a player would have a coach or whatever you know he, he, he would go over things maybe different clips so how, how would you how do you do that as referees we um Every game in the Premier League, we have an assessor. So we're assessed every game. So after every game, 15, 20 minutes after every game, we have somebody who comes in who sits down like a referee, like a player. They have their own style. Some will talk about every minute throughout the game and some will just talk about major talking points or, or how the game was in general. But after every game, we have a mark. So we yeah. sit down at the end of the game. Um, we have 15, 20 minutes to get ourselves ready calm down, relax, um, and and talk to assistants and or for the officials about things that have actually happened. So we, we'll talk. Um, the debrief, the, the assessor comes in. We talk about the game with them. If they think there is anything that we have missed majorly, then they will do what they call as they park the decision. So they will go and look for video footage 
mm-hmm. to see if I was right or if I was wrong on that decision. Um, so again, this is when we're accountable. We look for that footage as well. So this could be from BBC, sometimes from Linfield TV or from another camera that is at the ground. Yeah. So we'll go and look. Um, within 48 hours, we need to speak to that assessor again. So whether that assessor is to phone me and say, listen, I was wrong from where I was. It looked like this. You were there. You seen it right. You were correct. Yeah. Or you've been told when you've looked at it and you've went, no, that's wrong. I'm wrong. You're wrong. Um, yeah. So we have that. Um, as a referee, whenever you come off after a game, you know if you have had a good or a bad game. Um, yeah, you, you have a feeling that, yeah, everything's all right. 22 players have came, shook my hand. I think we've done all right. Or somebody's really, really angry about something. I might have yeah. missed something. So we go looking for the footage and we do that. We, You get a mark at the end of it. That mark determines whether you get games for the next few weeks. All right, if it's a really bad mark, you've missed two or three big decisions, you're off for a couple of weeks. And then yeah. you have to come back through the championship and, and come back through that way. Um, Is that tough? Has that ever happened? No. Um, uh, thankfully, or do you know anyone that it has happened? It has to? happened to many. I think they haven't been too bad in it, but it has happened. Um, but it the scrutiny is out there. But it must be a confidence blow in terms, like us, like us, maybe having a bad game, and it does affect your confidence. And then you're maybe playing for the reserves or something for maybe four or five weeks after, and it does have an effect on your confidence. But people know as well as mentally as, as well, you, you have to come back from it. Fans and players will know. Fans and players know if they see me sometimes or they think if they see me in a reserve league or they see me refereeing at a championship game, they've done something wrong the week before, so why are you down here? Yeah. Sometimes we don't get games on a Saturday. We're not a referee, we're not a fourth official. So if there's a game needs covered in the reserve league, we'll do it because yeah. we're better having a referee than no referee. So it's not always that we're being punished, Yeah. but sometimes it is. Um, it can be. It can be demoralising, especially if it happens two or three times in a row. It's a bit like playing. You can get a run of form and you can fly and you can do really, really well and the decisions you're getting are right, you're doing yourself really well. And then sometimes if you hit a blip, you start yeah. getting a wee bit of confidence and then sometimes the tackle goes in or if the ball goes near the penalty area, you're panicking as yeah. a referee because you're going, there might be a penalty call, there might be a decision to make here. I'm not too sure, I'm panicking. And then once you start to panic, mm-hmm. then you're going to either see something that you haven't, that doesn't yeah. happen, or you're not going to see something that's clearly there for everyone to see. It can have that. It's That's how we it's get our It's just human nature. It's, it's just the way humans are, and you know, self-doubt maybe starts creeping in, and you, know, you maybe start hesitating on decisions and stuff like that. Again, it's just... You know, whenever your confidence is sky high, there's nothing better. Whenever your conf- confidence is low... There's nothing, there's nothing it's, worse. It's hard. We meet as a group of re- uh, of referees in the senior panel once a month. So yeah. once a month we go different places and we, we meet. we do a physical training session outside. So it might be a, a fitness test or it might just be a physical training session. And then we go inside and we watch clips. So for referees, the only way we learn is by watching clips, whether it be European clips or Irish League clips, yeah. where a referee's done something really, really well. Or... Most of the time, a referee's done something wrong. So yeah. you watch it so you don't get stuck in the same position or whatever it is. So we meet once a month and we learn. We all have our own support networks. We all have our own colleagues. It's like a changing room for players. There's going to be players in that changing room you're closer to mm-hmm. than others. Yeah. You have a working relationship with others where you may be friendlier with someone else. So we have referees where, I have one colleague in particular, where no matter what, we're on the phone after every game. 
how you get on, yes, that, yes, and talk about it. Yeah. So you need to have that outlook. But then you also have to be, you also have to be clear with that person. Yeah, I've seen the big mucky trials, the new big ones. No idea. Oh, sorry, mate. Yeah. Um, so. The uh, I, you have that person you can talk to, yeah. but you have to be able to be able to speak to that person yeah. openly. You have to be able to speak to that person openly to say you've got that wrong. Yeah. So you can't always go in as a referee thinking I'm right, I'm 100% right, I'm correct. Sometimes you've got something wrong you need to see why. So you need to have that confidence boost so that you're able to talk to people and say, listen, have referees in only place at times. And as much as I can't talk, my wife doesn't understand football, so I can't talk to her. So you need to make sure you yeah. have someone that you can open up to and talk to about things going well, things going bad, that keeps you grounded, shall we yeah. say. Absolutely, and then what? What about what about the future? Do you have any goals um, in mind for the future? Obviously, European retirement's probably the only thing. <laughs> European football. Um, I was on lucky enough to have uh, FIFA badge for a year in two thousand sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I done European games then. Um, that's now passed me by. My I'd be very chance, much. Is there a chance for you to get back no, into it? No, I would say no. There's no chance. Um, I wouldn't. My, my big thing is the local game now. My big thing is all about what's happening in the Irish League. A lot of referees will get involved, the referee in Europe, and be involved in Europe. And yeah. the Irish League is maybe a, a side thing for them. So for me, refereeing in this league and, and developing this league is, is massive for me. The only thing I still have left to do, shall we say, is the Irish Cup final. Yeah. Um, every referee's dream is to, to be involved. We can't win leagues. We can't... Um, do that but I've done League Cup I've done the County Antrim I've been involved in the European playoff games I've done semi-finals Irish Cup I've done everything apart from the, the final of the Irish Cup so that is the only thing that and the, the Irish Cup final is that just based on your performance as a referee over the course of whole the season. whole season yeah whole yeah. season so that's you have a stinger at the start of the year or you're out of form and then all of a sudden near the end of the year you come good yeah. it's probably not good enough you need to be good throughout yeah. but also then there's maybe a slight pecking order when it comes to it as well obviously a referee who's just new into the league who has a crack in the year yeah. nine times out of ten won't get the Irish Cup final but um, it's more of an experienced one probably so the only one that I haven't done um, I've been fortunate enough to have some great seasons done some great games and been involved in some great Irish league games um, but that is the the one that I'm aiming for, shall we say? Yeah, good stuff. Well, listen, Andrew, thanks very much for coming on, mate. I appreciate it a lot. Um, obviously the current situation, what we're going through as players and referees, um, you know, goodness knows when when we will be back. But it was great having you up, and I appreciate you. No, thank on. you very much for the time. It's been great um, to have a conversation with a player who's not checked on me. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. <anyway. laughs> See you, mate. Cheers. Thank you.